0: Hello, everybody. My name is Terry. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Terry. Terry. My heart is warmed by so many people (laughs) in the room. Oh, my god. I'm loving this. um, I'm loving this podium, too. (laughs) It makes me feel pretty important, which is something I really need. For those of you that have not been here, we have new carpet that was installed last year. Come in and see it. (laughs) Uh, So, okay. So I came into the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous uh, May 7th, 2014. I walked into an 11th step meeting. There were two people. So I guess where two or more gather, there is a meeting. So I walked into that meeting. They were studying the 11th step and it was probably really good for me to be there. And it's a miracle that I'm here today if I walked into an 11th <laughs> step meeting. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, yeah, because you know they were doing writing on the step. They were reading the 11th step either out of the OA 12 and 12 or the AA 12 and 12. That's how they used to do it on Wednesday night, but they may still do it that way now, I don't know. And then we would... writing for five minutes and then we would uh talk about it and uh i really don't like anybody to tell me what to do uh in particular telling me that i should believe in god or something greater than myself that really pisses me off but um You know, I have changed since the time I came into the room Um, just really by attempting to be open to um, have some humility and teachability. Um, My sponsor had originally directed me back to the um, appendix at the end of the big book uh, not to have contempt with that prior investigation. And um, that was a hard pill for me to swallow because I, I was this person in the reading here. Uh, let's see, November 13. I was the person that loved to be a member of the debate committee because I knew I was always right. You know, my relatives would say they didn't want to Google. They would tarry. They would call me <laughs> if they didn't answer and I would have it. And there was a time that came about that when it was a relief to say, I don't know. And even if I did know, I would say, I don't know because other people need to have the dignity to be right sometimes too, and not have me argue with them on the smallest thing. A lot of my surrender has been say my piece and leave it and see what unwinds What's God's will after I say something?
1: You know, this has come into
0: play. I've been dealing with my mother who has been not well. My brother passed away a couple months ago. And we're all kind of walking around tender. And, um, you know, just to say my piece, like, um, I don't think it's a good idea to do that. Or, and just say it once. And let it fall and see where it goes. Um, even when we went out Christmas shopping, she would ask, Do you think such and such would like this? Do you think such and such would like this? Do you think such and such would like this? <laughs> and I would say, No, or Yes, or Is this the right size? And you know, my body dysmorphia hit me because I said, I I've never been able to tell what size somebody is, how much they weigh, how old they are, including myself. I have to remind myself I'm 57. I've lived in this (laughs) world for 57 years. I have to remind myself. (laughs) She really knew better than me. She's raised a lot of kids. She knew how to look for the, I'm like, why are you even asking me? She goes, well, because I appreciate your opinion. Um, and it's it's really hard for my ego not to get wrapped all up in that. That my opinion is the most opinion that is the most important opinion on the planet. <laughs> um, you know, the big book talks about having uh, an ego. Uh, what's, what's the phrase? Help me. The ego, the ego. I always the egomaniac with the inferiority, inferiority. complex. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I always thought about, you know, that's me. That's me. The one with the ego as big as all outdoors and as fragile as a spider web. And so a lot of issues that I needed to confront as part of my compulsive overeating was how does that affect how I live my life? How am I facing the world on this side with this face and really the little duck feet that are swimming as fast as possible in my head, looking placid on the top swimming and the feet just going as fast as possible. Um, A lot of my program today is learning to deal with those feet to slow them down, to not go on all these various directions to not try to swim as fast as I can. I I often think, is this just a function of age? After 57 years, do I not have the energy for that? Or is it a function of program after being here seven years? And I've come to a conclusion, the answer is yes. (laughs) So, um, when I came into program, I was pretty broken. I actually had been broken before I came into program I was practicing as an attorney. I was, had a lot of weight. I really try not to talk about weight so much anymore because um, it's kind of an ego thing for me. and I don't want to feed that too much, but um, I have a lot of weight. I could still do things. I could ride a bicycle. If you look at pictures of me, you think, damn, she could ride a bicycle and jump on a trampoline and do whatever. Yes, I, I could. But I didn't really feel too comfortable in my body. Um, I had quit practicing law in 2010. I took a trip across the United States in a van with my brother. That was one of my geographic cures of which I have had many. My brother who passed away a couple months ago.
1: Sometimes when I, I will show my um let me gather my thoughts for a minute. Um, sometimes I will show pictures of our trip. Show how that I was. I really couldn't do it today. I really felt good like I was not going to cry today. But
0: one of the things I've learned is that when you need to cry, you cry. I used to cry buckets of tears when I was here. I don't need tissues anymore. Okay. Connie used to say, you cry until you drip out of your nose. Yeah. That's okay. Thank you for looking at this. I want to cry. I remember the first six months I was here, I cried buckets of tears, and I really didn't know why. And there were people who came up, and they didn't ask me why. They just they knew why, because they cried buckets of tears, too. Thank you. Right over what? I don't know. Probably just emotions that were escaping out of the cage. Just, you know, the ones that I had been keeping down, really down here, to the point that they had caused me to almost have a nervous breakdown. Quit my job. I've never really gone back to work in the, as an attorney. I've given a lot. I would say I've probably given up a million bucks, literally, to try to keep my mind calm. And you say, "Oh, Terry, it's so easy. You don't work. You don't work that much. You know, it should be super easy to deal with compulsive eating." But, you know, I always had this pipe dream when I was working, dealing with stuff, life stuff. Oh, if only, if only I didn't have to work uh, eighty hours a week for a forty-hour a week job. If only. Oh, if only I had never been introduced to chocolate, I would not become addicted to it. (laughs) Oh, if only I had the time to exercise. Oh, if only, if only. And I'll tell you all those things are here now. And I came along with it. Um, When one attempts to keep one's mind quiet, one realizes how unquiet the mind is. How easily I get triggered into a fight or flight response. Almost anything will trigger me into a fight or flight response that causes me to be anxious. And program has caused me to realize that feeling, that feeling of going into fight or flight that I always want to quench with food either the type of food or the volume of food, either one will work. Um, they do work and that's the, the hard thing about it is learning to recognize the feeling, recognize my head. That's the first step. Okay, I could talk about this with my sponsor, recognize it all the time. Oh, I see it, I see it but this program is a spiritual program of action. So not only do I have to take the painstaking steps to recognize when this happens to me, recognize the things that make me wanna eat, then after I've gone through that, I have to be willing to take the action. So I'm gonna give you an example this is going to involve some food talk. This meeting does not have a prohibition against food talk. And I'll tell you, if you do eat, you probably would have done it anyway. So just chill, go to your warm, happy place. Um, so when I first started in program, uh, you know, I, once I got done being an attorney, I decided I was going to really get into cakes. And I really got into cakes. I got a YouTube channel. If you want to check out my YouTube channel, me decorating cakes. Um, one of my problems is, is, you know, when you do elaborate cakes, you just level them, you have extra frosting, you have extra cake, whatever. And I decided, oh, I'm going to mix these all up. This is early in program, and I'm going to make them into cake balls. I don't like to waste the product. Um, and I remember never making it into cake balls, but eating cake and frosting for three days straight to the exclusion of everything else. That memory is very clear to me. Um, and nobody in program told me you can't do that, Terry. I remember somebody said, well, maybe you can make it part of a meal or, you know, nobody tells you what to eat here. You can take a look at the dignity of choice and follow that or whatever, you know, talk to somebody, see what's working with them. So that's, that's my, that's my memory of first being in program. So yesterday I did a cake, I did a cake for my niece. My cakes are complex. I really love Projects like that. The problem is, I can't stand to have the stuff in my house too long because I will eat the basic ingredients. In fact, I had some white chocolate chips in my house that I ate and I had to go out and get some more. So, like, everything was like in this little space. Is that 15, Mara? Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so before I began on this project, I did talk to my sponsor about it. She goes, why don't you think about just having a piece of cake with your niece and not, you know, eat it like a lady, like Connie used to say, eat it like a lady. Don't be, <laughs> don't put your face in the frosting and eat it. Don't like, although I'll tell you, that's pretty good, um, but compulsive overeat is not so great. So I will say that I did eat some chocolate, some white chocolate chips. I did um, have a little bit of lemon curd. Um, However, when I was done with the cake, everything now is in the trash. When the cake, when it's complete, it's fine. It's just all of the, (laughs) you know, this lifted up to my mouth and Five minutes remaining. Thank you, Mara. So, I guess my point I wanted to make with that story is I am still not perfect in this program. However, I'm not eating cake and frosting for three days straight to the exclusion of everything else. I limit the times that I'm exposed to foods that I know are, are dangerous for me. I really only make cakes two times a year for my nieces because it means something to me and it means something to them. Um, You know, I was gonna talk today about the seventh step and um, so I'm gonna just say that's a lessening of one of my defects, you know, I, I really try Sometimes I think I'm gonna have this great thing to say and everybody will be writing it on their walls and they'll be using it for the rest of the time in the program. Um, but it's really better to be honest for me and real and not pre-planned. So a habit that I'm gonna practice now of is when I notice the thoughts that caused my duck feet to swim really fast and say negative things to myself. When I notice it, I take the action of saying, I love you, Terry. You know, in the seventh step prayer, they talk, you know, the first sentence is my creator. I'm now willing that you should know and be good and bad. And if I can't really do that for myself. If I can't really accept myself, I can't really accept the concept of God accepting myself or creator or whatever. You guys know me. I started this off. That's God's not my thing, but I'll tell you, I'm grateful for the people in this room that allowed me to grow into the God of my understanding, the higher power of my understanding. Because if anybody had tried to preach to me, I would not be standing here today. I would be saying, "You guys, who do you boo boo? Not me." Um, so what I would encourage you today, when you go out to your car or wherever, pull down the visor of your car thing and look. At, pull down the mirror and look at those beautiful eyes the eyes that God put there, and say, I love you. It will change your day today. I thought I would end with something that I wrote in the beginning of my program. Some of you have heard this and some have not. So anyway, this is by Terry L. on 6 a month after I entered program. The girl in the fat suit and the girl in the invisibility cloak and how they became friends. One day a girl met another girl. The first girl was very large because she was wearing a lot of clothes. The second girl was very small. The girl with all the clothes on said that she liked to call it a fat suit. But she really liked the small girl because she seemed so nice and a sweet understanding way about her. The girl in the fat suit started telling stories to the small girl about how she had gotten her clothes and why she liked them so much. The small girl said she really liked the stories the fat girl told. One day, the girl in the fat suit told the small girl she was thinking about maybe taking off some of her clothes and giving them away. The small girl listened to the girl in the fat suit's story. The girl in the fat suit said she was worried about the light. The small girl paused and said, what light? The girl in fat suit said, the light I keep here under my clothes. She showed the small girl a tiny part of the light by moving aside some of the clothes to make room for the light. Wow, said the small girl, you don't see that very often. Yeah, said the girl in the fat suit. My light is so sensitive, so I started putting on these clothes to protect it, but now I'm worried. The light seems to be going out, like it's being smothered by the clothes. The small girl says, I have one of those too. Where, said the girl in the fat suit, right here. And the small girl pulled aside what looked like a reflective drape. I have an invisibility cloak. I use it to protect my own light. My light is really sensitive too and my light's not doing swell either. I'm thinking that maybe the problem is the invisibility cloak. The girl in the suit did not understand how the invisibility cloak could work to protect the light. The girl in the invisibility cloak said, people can't see the light. So people who want to hurt my light don't know it's there. And the invisibility cloak is very reflective. People see what they want to see. They see their own images or reflected back at them when they look at me. When they see what they want to see, they don't even think about my light. The girl in the fat suit asked, do you ever take your cloak off? The girl in the invisibility cloak said, sometimes when I'm among my own kind, (laughs) it seems good for the light. Sometimes I just make space under the invisibility cloak for the light to have more room to shine. It's harder when I'm with others who are not my kind. The girl in the fat suit thought, am I her kind? She showed me a tiny bit of her light. Their clothes were so different, but their shared concern for the light seemed the same. Thank you. Love yourselves. Go out and be well.